Good morning. It is February 21st. It is a grim, dim morning in New York City. This is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. On the front of the paper, we have the story of how Joe Biden took a secret train trip to Kiev, falsifying his schedule to keep the press in the dark until he popped up in the Ukrainian capital. There are two different chronological accounts of the harrowing train ride in the dark that brought him to Kiev. There's much less detail about the much more stressful-seeming trip out of Kiev after he had revealed where he was, which seems much more dangerous, but I guess the storytelling of the secret ride to Kiev has the payoff of him arriving in the capital and making his appearance, whereas the story of how he got back just ends with the relief of Joe Biden not getting blown up on President's Day. Even though, again, transporting the president through a war zone not controlled by American troops after revealing that he's there seems much more daunting. In domestic political news, James O'Keefe has been forced out as the head of Project Veritas in a struggle with the board. The New York Times describes him as having started Project Veritas in his father's garage, while the Washington Post describes it as having happened in his father's carriage house. I guess a carriage house is functionally a garage, but it gives it a rather less bootstrappy sound. The Post quotes O'Keefe as saying, I don't know why this is happening now. Dressed in suit and tie, he accused his internal adversaries of ruining our reputation in front of supporters and donors and leaking confidential information and fabricating stories. Leaking confidential information and fabricating stories. That's terrible. Terrible to have your reputation ruined and lose your job because somebody leaked confidential information and fabricated stories. Best of luck to James O'Keefe. Nah, not really. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis went on a trolling tour of major Democratic cities yesterday, including New York, an event that the time described as appealing to embattled police officers and crime-concerned citizens with an address pledging more support for law enforcement and vowing to battle liberal-minded criminal justice reforms. The part about embattled police officers is not a quote from DeSantis. That is the omniscient, objective news writing of the Times. Typed up here in New York City, where the cop who we elected mayor is stripping money from the libraries and the schools to shovel more and more cash at the cops, whose budget continues to go up even as they resume stop and frisk and vehicle stops, and on basically no dimension except their feelings, show any signs of being the least bit embattled. But the Times is helpless epistemologically in the face of right-wing grievance and myth-making, which contrasts with the front-page story in Mississippi, racial outrage at court plan. The outrage here is about a plan by which the white Republican-controlled state legislature has voted to create a new court system backed up by an expanded police force run by the state to be imposed on the city of Jackson, Mississippi, without any input from the voters and elected officials in that black democratic city. It's a factual racist power grab, but those facts here have to be laundered through the idea of racial uproar and critics getting upset rather than plainly describing events that by any reasonable standard could be objectively said to be leaving Jackson embattled. And in a deft layout decision right below the jump on that story, about 
the subjugation of a black, poor, and working-class democratic city, the Times has for some reason given space in the paper to David Leonhardt to supplement his unsupervised and unedited morning podcast for the paper, in which Leonhardt asks the question, why do Democrats struggle to match Biden's bond with the working class? In which contemporary American politics is processed through the now 50-year-old shibboleths about why George McGovern lost to Richard Nixon, as rendered by the podcast host, whose job is to provide a maximally complacent framework on the news for the liberal readers of the New York Times. It's all worthless, but the most exciting line to me was where Leonhard writes, On COVID, Biden infuriated some on the left by saying what seems obvious to many Americans. The virus is still a threat, but the pandemic is over. That's the virus is still a threat, but the pandemic is over. We are using the word pandemic here to refer to something other than the threat of a widely spreading virus, apparently. Once again, who needs facts when you've got a vibe? That is the day. We will talk again tomorrow. Take care of yourselves out there.